sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Tell you why the day is sunny. I'm in love with lips of honey. Will you see the way she walks? Hey, God, I love our theme song. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design and the District Edina. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your early evening with some booze and conversation. Tonight, we are joined by Todd Simoning, president of Ador... Adore. Adore. Bespoke Homes. I don't know why I keep wanting it. It's capital A, and I can't put the little thing over the O, so I'm emphasizing the front. Adore Bespoke Homes. Forgive me. Uh, in Excelsior. On Excelsior. In Excelsior. In Excelsior, Minnesota. Todd, welcome to the program. Thank you. Jesus, I beat the hell out of that, didn't I? You did. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought I'd be more welcome, but I'm not sure... <laughs> That I am at this stage, am I? What happens Adore, you hit the warm-up shot too early, man? Adore bespoke homes. 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 See? Look at that. I like it. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, though, for being on the show. You have done some amazing residential projects, and we're going to be talking about some trends in home building, uh, your move into kind of some architectural custom build projects as well. This is going to be an informative and delightful conversation. Especially since we're making Todd drink extra vodka because he did a shot too soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah real terrible punishment on drinking the style. I, I was going to say, what punishment is that, right? <laughs> right. I know, I know, I know. Oh, and that voice coming in from God knows where is our in-house resident cocktailist, Mr. Dan Newkirk Short. Dan, how are you? It's my first day wearing pants of uh, the year, so I'm kind of over it already. Yeah, pants are, are not all they're cracked up to be. They're overrated. 100%. And my, my fat COVIDness is uh, making it fit a little tighter, too. So I know. I missed the shorts. I know. Have you guys <laughs> put on some weight with the COVID? Did you put on the COVID 19? We have not. No, not actually. 19. Not 19. We've actually worked out uh, together virtually every day since uh, COVID went down. Really? Yep. Really? Good for you. Home we, gym? We actually, we actually discovered that we actually have a home gym. I mean, <laughs> which, it was which, under the laundry. <laughs> well, that's actually a funny story because we went to Lifetime every day, right? Okay. And then all of a sudden this hits and we discovered the outdoors again. Mm-hmm. And we discovered that we actually have a really nice sport court. Mm. And we've been working out there. Although mama doesn't like to work out with me down there anymore. Why is that? It's too hard. That's where I grind it out. Really? Yep. So You can't keep up. I can't. All right. So initial COVID. <clears throat> I would say for about three weeks, she was down there with me. Then all of a sudden, it was like three quarters of the way. She'd be like, I'm done. Then it went to about halfway through it. I'm done. And then she never went back down. Really? I haven't been back. And now you just go down there yourself and work out. And you stay upstairs and drink wine. <laughs> I actually go out and walk right now. Oh, do you? Yeah. Good for you. Everybody's walking, yeah. which is great. You wouldn't believe all the people walking. Yeah, I know. It's it's insane. Driving down my neighborhood, it's like it's like a game of Frogger where I'm the car and, and, or, you know, I mean, it's just terrible. Yeah. There's people everywhere. It is super cool to see the uh, families out, though. I agree. I mean, they're all out together. And, uh, you know, I think we're rediscovering the outdoors, which is, I think, something interesting even about our neighborhoods that we live in is that we're actually uh, talking with our neighbors again instead of just holing up and coming here, going there, whatever, <clears throat> but really just inter engaging with our neighbors again. We, I was 
just uh, walking out, and what, what one neighbor had done, like a block and a half over, is that they had uh, like four kids playing musical instruments, high school kids, in their driveway. And on the opposite side of the street, all spaced out, were like a dozen neighbors sitting and listening to like a micro concert. And I'm like, oh, you know, fun. that is so nice. Yeah. It is absolutely so nice. I, I agree with the things everybody was said, but uh, back to the lifetime thing, be, be honest. <laughs> You gotta miss the eucalyptus steam room a little bit, though. That was like I would go there sometimes just for that. If I was like super hungover, I'd just go get myself an oil change and then you know never hit the weights or anything. I do miss the eucalyptus. The presidential. Wherever they would let me do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it except once. This is totally off track. See, this is again. Throw the. We're done with the uh, program plan now. Um, I, I was in the steam room at the Lifetime Fitness in Minnetonka, and I'm sitting there, and it's all steamy, and I couldn't hear anything. And I was, and I start hearing this scraping noise what the heck is that? I look over and there is a guy shaving his entire body in the steam room. In the steam room? I could not believe it. I was like, (laughs) this, this is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Now, wait a minute. Is that worse than the guy just coming in with nothing on and just kind of hanging out? (laughs) Spread Eagle. I mean, seriously, it's Spread Eagle. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's a, it's a fair, I don't hear that. You know, and I can look away. The and noise. His, his steam will cover it up too, you know? Yeah. And wait until I tell you when he got, you know, down. No, we're not even going to hear it. Um, but I do miss that steam room as well. Yeah. The eucalyptus just was life changing. It was. Yeah. It was. Especially in the winter. We can breathe through. It clears the lungs. But we dropped our membership actually because they started charging and we just don't feel quite right yet going into a, an enclosed space. And the, and steam, room in, the steam room was closed and so was the, uh, the sauna. So it, that was kind of the big draw for me. Agreed. Oh, Agreed. Agreed. so you actually worked out pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, that was you know that's the eucalyptus really made me feel accomplished. <laughs> All right, well now that we've veered into that section, why don't we veer back into some cocktails, which is extremely uh, easy this week. But Brett, hit us up with some uh, mixing music and Newkirk. Tell us about this uh, cheap uh, excuse for a cocktail. You're <laughs> so today, today it's uh, we're you know we're doing vodka sodas. Okay, uh, we're doing the Tito's, which is typical. It's uh, one of the most popular vodkas in the world. Uh, thanks to the last two years and uh, gluten-free. Um, today's today's seltzer water is polar. Uh, the flavor is unicorn kisses. Because I think of you every time I think of unicorn kisses, Greg. Thank you, Dan. And it smells, that is it an smells, amazing coincidence. There's zero sugar, zero calories. It smells like cotton candy and Red Bull made a unicorn kiss baby, you know? So it's just pure chemicals. I don't know, man. Yeah, all right. I don't know. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So basically, you're just throwing ice in a glass with some Tito's and some some soda that is infused with God knows what kind of carcinogen. Yeah, it's like working happy hour on a Friday night downtown. Same thing. <laughs> now, keep this in mind. I, I've watched your podcast a few times. Okay. People are actually treated pretty well. I get here and we've got unicorn <laughs> vodka soda of some sort. I mean, Todd, I got to tell you, it's it's. I take full responsibility for this. Yesterday, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and yesterday was Labor Day. Completely sidetracked, and I didn't get on this guy's butt. So it wasn't until later that I alerted him to make sure he had a decent cocktail, and obviously we fell through. <laughs> so we're going to have you back on the show for the nicest cocktail you can imagine. I guarantee Ooh. you that. Ooh. What will that be? Dirty uh, up martinis with blue cheese olives. You got that? Okay. We've actually we've actually already done that one. Have you? All right. Well, we can redo. Use Chopin vodka. Huge fan. Big potato vodka person are you? Or, uh... We just really like Chopin. Okay. 
We it's, always used to drink Belvedere, and a client of Todd's gave us a bottle of Chopin. Gave us a bottle of Chopin for Christmas or something. And when we tried it, we're like, oh my God, it's like water. Um, it is insane, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right. Well, there it is. We've got our uh, pseudo cocktails put together. <laughs> There's still alcohol uh, in there, though. We have to talk. This does remind me of something that I had in, dare I say, high school. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't right. have unicorn kisses available for beverage consumption in high school, right? No, I will not drink before everybody this time. Well done. Gentlemen, ladies, let's give it a try. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. You stood and you watched as my baby left town. You could have done. Sand and sea, sea and sand, and the warm, bright sun up there above. Summer days, happy days, with my love. Welcome back to Drink in the Style. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and my guests this evening are Todd and Pamela Simning of Adore Bespoke Homes. Nice, you got it right. Thank you very much. Well, I said it three. Adore Bespoke Homes, Adore Bespoke Homes, Adore Bespoke Homes, Adore Bespoke Homes. Nice, right? Yes. And Pamela, I, I apologize. I didn't uh, introduce you at the beginning. Pamela, the wife of, of, of lovely Todd Simoning, and you are the realtor part of the uh, of the uh, practice, correct? Well, now you're well, not talking. <laughs> I didn't introduce you when you talk, and then now you just... <laughs> well, I am a realtor, and I work for Edina Realty. Oh, you do? So, okay. Yeah. Got it. Apologies. <laughs> yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, Todd and Pamela Simoning of Adore Bespoke Homes with us. So start us out, Todd. Introduce us to Adore. What makes you guys different from some of the other home builders in the Twin Cities? I'd say our biggest asset is that we're more architecturally driven. Mm -hmm. Um, Really uh, more of the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of builders drive the... uh, the uh, architectural project. Mm-hmm. And in our case, <clears throat> what we rely on is good architects to actually drive the uh, the actual architecture of the home. And we look at ourselves as just one hell of a builder. And I think with the uh, as much as experience that I have <clears throat> and what we kind of uh, implore at our company, um, that's what really makes us different than, say, a just a regular custom builder or anybody else. It's like it's really more of a Oh man, a uh, uh, a group effort more mm-hmm. so than a builder driving. Here's my plan. Here's what your options are. Here's this is opening up a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. You know what do you really want in else? Mm-hmm. You know where do you want to spend your money? You really want to help people understand um, that this is where it makes sense to spend money. This is where it might not. Here's where you're going to get your value. Here's where you're not. And even if you're not going to get value there, if it's something that you really want that's going to make a creature comfort to you, mm-hmm. understand that's what's really going to make a house for you. And mm-hmm. it's going to be really more of a family um, entertaining home versus just another house out there. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we're looking for you know clients that really want uh, more of a hands-on experience where you're really doing something creative and we're not focused on 
we have to have, you know, 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Because a really good designed home could, for 3,700 square feet, can actually live better than a 5,000 square foot house. Without a doubt. I mean, look at the the concept of the living of the of the formal living room. You know that we used to growing up right. as a kid. You know, we had this. You know, I don't know, 6,000 square foot. You know, suburban tract house, and in the front of it. As you come in, of course, to the left was the all-white living room mm-hmm. that we were never allowed in as kids. And my parents would only go into on Sunday mornings to read the news to get the hell away from us and tell us that we couldn't come in and talk anymore. But that's a complete space, a uh, waste of space, right? Yeah. Unless you have a concept associated with how you're going to live in that space. I mean, do you agree with that? When you're talking with a client, you need to understand how the space is going to be used. And then do you build around that? Or do you take it from the approach of um, – you know, this is the space that, you know, we're laying out and you're going to fit your life into it. No, 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 no. This is all about listening first. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, the most, how do I say it? The most fun client is somebody that comes in and says, this is how I live. Mm -hmm. How can we create something Mm -hmm. that's going to help me actually live my life the way I want to live in my home? Mm Mm-hmm. And be able to be open-minded enough to not say, I need four bedrooms here, I need my great room here, I need my living room here, I need a den here, but rather say, this is what we do every day, mm-hmm. and this is how we live. And leave it up to the uh, designer, architect, builder to actually come up with a creative design that really allows you to really bring your personality out, your family's personality out in the, uh, in the home. That's the most fun, and, and that's really the approach that we look at uh, at building. So basically you're saying for a potential home buyer, listen to the professionals. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Strange. You know, and Strange. what's interesting about that <laughs> is that there's so many times, you know, this is the most, for the most part, 99% of the population, this is the most expensive uh, asset they're ever going to buy in their life, right? Mm-hmm. And they go in there with the preconceived notions about this is what I have to have instead of thinking, you know, can you help me as a realtor, as a builder, as an architect, as an interior designer, can you help me understand what I'm really looking for? Because there's so many good people out there that will really give you the time to help you understand. And then you're able to go out and get what you really want. And you're going to feel just more comfortable in your house. I mean, it's going to be how you live. Mm-hmm. Well, that and a lot of people don't realize that, like, once once you get your plans drawn out from an architect, uh, the numbers look great and the, the plans and the prints look fantastic. But then even down to the when the builders starts coming in, they start actually making things happen. Uh, it's got a different feel than what it did when you were saw it up on paper or a mock-up. And then the person gets in the home, and then the person comes in to design it, like all the different, like, tiers and levels. I mean, if you don't stick with the professionals, you're probably going to be unhappy with a home that uh, came from um, – Something downtown in a big building of brown color. Uh, yeah, which we shall not speak the uh, <laughs> the name of that place. But yeah. um, no, it, it's completely true. I've often said that you know the uh, experience gives you the ability to see the future. You know how to build homes. You know how when you put something together, how it can actually function in real life. Whereas a person can come in, and if they tell you how they're living and how they want to live, you can make something that works. But if they come in. And it's the first time they've ever built a home, they're just going to default to what they think is generally standard, right? And that's not going to work for most people. No, and that's what's interesting is that's why we're getting so many houses that are the same. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other thing that I tell people is to be honest up front. You know, there's so many times they're working with the, I'll say just the wrong person where they don't feel... Um, that they can be open and honest about what their true budget is. Mm -hmm. And so let's just understand what your true budget is, and then we're going to make decisions about, you know, this is the way you live. 
So what are the options or the items that really make sense to do? And what are the ones that maybe we can cut back on because you can always buy a light fixture, right? You mm-hmm. can always replace that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't structurally uh, replace windows, like good windows up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a good foundation up front. You can always replace a kitchen faucet, right? I mean, that's really easy. You can go to Home Depot anytime. But people are so focused on the aesthetics a lot of times that they're forgetting that what we really want is houses that will live for 100 years. Right. And instead, there's way too many times that we're not building houses that can live for 100 years because we're too focused on, I got to have 5,000 square feet or six, or I got to have this, I got to have this, versus how do we get a really good structure? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, so that opens a question that, I, uh, that, that I'm always kind of curious about. It's structure. Most, almost all homes built in America are wood frame, timber frame houses overall. And of course, there's a lumber shortage now as well, which oh, yep. uh, we're all familiar with. But yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that America will always be building timber framed houses or are they ultimately, are we ultimately going to use something a little more durable, something that's going to last? Because 100 years is it both not a lot of time and a lot of time. And you know these houses aren't necessarily going to stand up that long. So interesting that you bring that up. I'm doing a uh, remodel on uh, Lake Minnewashta right now, okay? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we're pulling, uh, the house was built uh, just over 100 years ago. It's the fourth project that I'm doing for a, uh, a client of mine. Mm-hmm. So now we're remodeling, we're taking off the uh, studs, we're gutting the inside. Those studs are absolutely phenomenal. They're absolutely crisp, clean solid, not bent, straight. The rough I mean, cut timber, the thicker than are, the actual two by four. Yeah, they but that's really the old good. growth right, wood right. that's hard and solid and... But we are still getting, how do I say this? Building correctly, mm-hmm. you are still going to have a really solid timber uh, framed building. Mm-hmm. And I'll go into this if we got to go into uh, 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 segment or whatever. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> we were actually going to build a uh, timber frame uh, condo downtown. COVID kind of took that down. But it was all going to be out of mass timber frame. Mm-hmm. And that's all out of uh, standard 2x4, 2x6, 2x10 construction. It's going to be around a long time. And the other thing that we forget about is how environmentally friendly it truly is. Wood is one of the only uh, uh, components that actually uh, absorbs carbon and se- uh, sequesters it. So you think of, think of the trees out in, the, uh, out in nature, right? Mm-hmm. What does a tree do? It sucks in the carbon and it gives off oxygen, oxygen. right? Mm-hmm. So when you down a tree, all that carbon mm-hmm. is sequestered inside that tree. So now we replant, every time we take one down, we re- replant uh, 100 trees, right? Mm-hmm. So every time we replant those 100 trees, what's happening, we're sequestering carbon, we're throwing out really good oxygen. So people don't realize how renewable number one uh timber framing is, mm-hmm. whether it's softwood or hardwood, whatever it is. And then secondly, they don't understand the true environmental aspect where it, it's taking carbon out of our out of our environment, just like taking cars off the road. Interesting. All right. We're going to delve more into this, I think, uh, after we uh, get back from a quick break. But uh, I'm fascinated by that. All right. Let's take a quick break, uh, do some commercials, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Drinking the Style. The impossible dream to fight the unbeatable foe to bear with unbearable sorrow to run 
Where the brave dare not go To right the unrightable wrong To be better far than you are To try when your arms are too weary To reach the unreachable star This is my quest To follow that star No matter how am I supposed to interrupt this song? I mean, dear God, I'm ready to go out and fight somebody right now. I was engaged. I Actually, I thought I was in New York. <laughs> Start spreading the news? Yeah. No, that is a that is a, such an over-the-top song, The Impossible Dream. Um, but it's, it's hard to find a good time to chime in. His voice is incredible at this oh, point. Sure. It's not true. I mean, that was a beautiful, beautiful that's why he was called the voice, I suppose. And you're learning all this on drinking the style. Um, <laughs> this is a good second. This is a good. You know what? We're just going to go straight to the musical notes because I talked about this particular track on it. Are you guys prepared, Pamela, for the musical notes this uh, this week? I am. Great. I am. Great. Newkirk, you ready? You know I love me some grass. Got to have the grass. You guys know the grass. The Gregory Rich album acquisition scale. <laughs> no. All right, we're not, gonna grasp. Not a trick question. Not a trick question. Okay. We're gonna grasp this like, one no, out. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm very proud of my grass uh, this week. I really, really am. So, let's do let's do tonight's musical notes. That's life. I don't know if I'd call this album intentional false advertising because who knows what's going to be in a package once it's opened. But I would call that's life a bit of a one-off that failed to reach expectations. Released in 1966, this album is notable really only because of the title track, which is absolutely excellent. That's Life is worth the price of admission, and for that reason, um, I would say you got to listen to the album. But most of the rest of the tracks are essentially forgettable. A notable exception is The Impossible Dream, which we just listened to, but frankly, that song is so over the top that it should be placed in the kitschy category along with songs like High Hopes, which has its place. Raised eyebrow, furrowed brow, listen to the song and then move on. So, on the Gregory Rich album acquisition scale, otherwise known as... Grass. Beautiful. I'm giving That's Life one puppet, a pauper, and a pirate. Out of a scale of a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn, and a king. Mm. How's that work? You didn't like that at all? That was very marijuana-inspired. <laughs> <laughs> Creative, outstanding. It was great. But that wasn't just regular brain activity happening right there. Did I tell you my daughter's going to UR High uh, in Rhode Island? <laughs> you just did a deep delve into that one, all right? Just saying. You're inspired. <laughs> a puppet, a popper, a pirate, a poet, a pony, a king. I've learned that up and down. No, it's uh, it's it's the album's fine. It's fine. No offense, Jesus. I mean, God, Todd, I have you on the show. I give you a unicorn kiss. I give you that's life with marginal Sinatra music. <laughs> I I just I I feel terrible about myself right now. Adore Holmes. 
A door bespoke homes. A door bespoke. I just want to make sure too. I am here. A door bespoke homes. A door bespoke homes. A door bespoke homes. A door bespoke homes. If you need a bespoke home, you will adore this. Yes. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, <laughs> sometimes I just feel better when I'm done. That's just now I'm done. God, this is just the third segment, right? <laughs> it is, Todd. I'm so sorry. And. That bottle is gone, right? And the bottle. It's not gone. Mm. There's still a little bit in there. Okay. Drink. I just wanted to make certain. We're running low on vodka, so the last seven minutes of segment four is probably just going to be quiet remembrance, <laughs> a gentle weeping coming out from who knows where. Um, let's go back to talking about you and you and uh, and and the door bespoke homes now. We talked a little bit about uh, what's going on in the market right now, but let's go backwards a little bit just for a second. You mentioned the Great Real Estate Depression, as you called it, correct? Yes. You're referring to 2008 yes. and the area after that. I mean, what? Why would you? Why do you determine the or call it the Great Real Estate Depression as opposed to the Great Recession or whatever else is commonly used? <clears throat> I don't think you know what's interesting about. I need to kind of fast forward to today versus what we're looking at uh, in 2008 and we have a great recession we were going to go into but the federal reserve and the uh, federal government really stepped up and gave everybody money mm -hmm. in 2008 who are the people that got money only the banks the big only ones, the big banks box, only yeah. the big people mm -hmm. what's really interesting is that back in 2008 to 9 nobody really cared about the builders mm -hmm. okay Today, we're talking about the service workers and that sort of thing. And I truly care about, and you guys know this because I talked about upstairs, the, the delta between the uh, have and the have-nots because of what's happening right now is not right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just going to get greater because we're not supporting the people that really, really need help right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Back in 2008, 2009, when I look at the uh, real estate depression, it was a complete depression where nobody really cared about the builders, the workers, that sort of thing. The workers were at least able to move on to the uh, oil patches, okay, because that was booming at the time. Mm -hmm. But all of the small builders out there, nobody really talked about, nobody cared about because we were all in the same position where, my God, we're all losing our houses, we've lost our jobs, we've done this, we've done that. And the national builders, on the contrary, were able to what? Issue debt issue more shares, um, dilute their companies, whatever they might do. But the, I mean, true backbone of construction is typically in that small business again. Mm -hmm. And so we really got hurt really, really badly. Um, and so that's where I look at it as more of a depression. I got into this business in, the, uh, in 1989, just coming out of the first uh, SNL crisis, right? Mm. We had the RTC and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because the builders weren't hurt as bad back then. Um, it really exacerbated and got really hurt because we probably went up way too fast in that early 2000s to mid 2000s. Um, and so when I look at depression, when you're looking at uh, real estate, there were way too many people that got hurt, and it was really only on real estate aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But 
people still had jobs, which was actually a positive thing. Mm -hmm. So in this case right now, we have more job loss, which I think is actually hurting even more people that can't be hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And my heart actually goes out to that because I just don't think it's, I, I think we need to do more as society to actually help people on the end that truly can't afford to be hurt. And in our business, in real estate, you know, we need renters, we need first time home buyers, we need move up buyers, we need custom buyers, we need architectural buyers, we need the move down buyers where you're you're moving into uh, um, something that is, um, you know, that 50 plus and 60 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so the downsizers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the we, circle of life, as yeah, we were talking and about. It, and it's a circle of life. It's a circle of, uh, of uh, real estate. And back then, you just, everybody was in the same position. And you yeah. just need more of the circle going around and around. And I think we need to keep that going just on humanity basis, to be honest with you. I couldn't agree more. Here, here. I mean, it's, it's, it's true because you know what? We all prosper when we have this system functioning properly. It's a great system. And right now, it's utterly broken. I have for years, and this is off topic, but I have been years railing against the, and, and you guys have three kids, four kids about to go into college, and one in right now. One, one in, in right now, going. one four going. The absurdity of the cost of college tuition is is just is just intolerable. It's These crazy. kids coming out, they've got no money to spend on the things that traditionally they need to spend on in order to keep things moving forward. They can't buy houses. They can't buy cars. They can't buy furniture. It's absurdity. And yet we all act as though, well, the problem will solve itself. And it's simply not going to. Pamela, what were you? You were 22 when you bought your first new home? I was 23. 23. I I actually built my first house. And it was new construction? With your own two hands? No. Okay. No. Sorry. And I was You're in the construction. Yeah. I don't know. You... No. No. But I <laughs> And I was 22 when I bought my first house. It collapsed when you were 24. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It okay. and, I, and I was 22 when I bought my first house. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think people aren't realizing and maybe they are today or I hope they are. I mean, truly real estate is a great investment. And I made so much money on my first house. And me too. And me as well. My wife and I, we flipped several houses in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it became the basis for Mm -hmm. a certain level of prosperity. Yeah. These kids today don't have this option. I mean, they just, they can't. I mean, the banks will not lend the money, nor would you if you were a bank, because they carry too much debt. And this is all debt that's going towards nothing. It's it's, There's no productivity associated with it. Okay, so interesting that you say that because one of the things, you know, our kids go to Minnetonka, right? Mm-hmm. So two years ago. I'm going to ask you to hold that yep. story for one second, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about it. But, yes. uh we're going to stay tight on this one. Uh, this is Drink in the Style. Enjoy a little bit of this Somewhere My Love. It's a decent track. Blossoms and green and gold And there are dreams All that your heart can hold Someday Move over, sun, and give me some sky. I got me some wings I'm eager to try. I may be unknown, 
Welcome back to Drink in the Style. I'm going to amend my my Sinatra uh, comment here because I'm just realizing something now. Here's the bottom line: the music, the 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 orchestration, the lyrics, and most of the songs suck on this particular album. But God, his voice was so perfect right now. Newkirk, you went down a rabbit hole of some Sinatra the other day. I did, and you got to admit. The guys, the pipes were just amazing. He got better with every drink I took, too. That's the thing. (laughs) He got better with every drink he took, too. I couldn't even see the words at the end anymore. You know what I mean? I got a little uh, cursive-y in my speech. Agreed. Agreed. It's not slurring your words. It's talking in cursive, (laughs) which is something they don't teach in schools anymore, which is the best segue ever back to our previous conversation because we're not letting this one go. We were talking before we went to break about the incredible debt these kids are accumulating by going to college and graduate school or whatever, and the fact that that then sucks away their resources that would otherwise be paid forward by buying houses, cars, furnishings, clothes, investments, yes, what have you. But you, so your perspective on this is what? So perspective is that, you know, just being, uh, our kids are from uh, Minnetonka and there's so much, and it started in the Clinton administration. It mm-hmm. truly did. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong about this, but it started there where we started pressing everybody needs to go to a four-year college. And that is where you started to see the debt proliferation of mm-hmm. college kids. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you're getting out of uh, out of school, and whether you have $10,000 worth of debt or $100,000 worth of debt or or even more, what does that hurt? It hurts your ability to invest in things that will actually get you value, right? Mm-hmm. And so real estate is one of those uh, those uh, investments that the earlier you can buy a home, the quicker you start building up uh, uh, your net worth, right? Mm-hmm. And secondly, just looking at everybody kind of going into uh, – pushed into a four-year college education is that how many kids would be better off putting – doing a two-year education or going into the trades um, that really could start making a fifty dollars to $100,000 a year. And interestingly enough, most of those kids and people that go into that end up owning their own businesses. And all of a sudden, they start employing three or four people, like an electrician that becomes a master and was under the tutelage of Joe. And now, all of a sudden, they go out on their own and now they're a master on their own, and they hire two or three people, and now they're employers, and so it just snowballs into a lot of good, uh, a lot of good things. I think that's okay. So I think there are a couple of things with that. First, I think that's a great theory, and in, in a perfect world, that would make sense, right? As far as starting your own business, as a business owner, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. It's way more than having the skill to do the specific job that enables you in the 21st century to be a business owner. I mean, I don't know about you, but I spend most of my time dealing with everything from, you know, from taxes to, you know, to regulations associated with the buildings that we're developing. It's it's a clerical job. It's no longer a matter of I have the skills, I'm really good at doing this. You have to have a plethora of skills that are unrelated to your core skill in order to be a business owner. So I think that cuts off the ability of a lot of kids or a lot of people to start their own business or it dooms them to failure if they try. But the bigger issue to me 
are they're, they're two things. First, right now, yeah, if you go out and you have great electrical skills and you, you're a fabulous electrician, you can be bringing in $140,000, $150,000. I mean, right now, a union you know, electrician is billing out at what, 225 bucks. Not that they could keep that, but what it generally is. Well, that's all well and good at this particular point in time because right now we have a labor shortage. But we have an entire country literally on our southern border of people who want to come here and do those jobs. And if it's a job that you can be trained in to do in two years, that means that whenever you reach a certain level of compensation, when that border opens, and it will open because everything is cyclical, that is going to come crashing back down. So you're literally without security. But the most important thing to me about a four-year education is, and this is why I think it should be free. We both agree on the debt issue. By putting these kids in debt, it is a disaster for our economy and it's a disaster for our society. I mean, you look at these protests and these riots. These are not riots over police shooting people. These are riots because these kids can't make a living. These kids need something to change and this happens to be the moment. But what's really needed or in a four-year education is critical thinking skills. People look at college and they say, well, you're supposed to go there and when you come out, you get a great job and that's going to make lots of money. That's not what a four-year – that's not what a bachelor's degree should be. A bachelor's degree should be four years of learning how to think and how to work and how to be focused on bettering yourself. And then you go forward and make a decision about how you're going to make a living. But until we start to realize that knowledge itself is critically important, we're going to be an unhappy society and we're going to be an unstable society. What do you think? <clears throat> so first off, number one, south of the border, opening it up, right? Mm -hmm. I get it. But those are not going to be eventually those people will actually move into, I will say, the – uh, skilled traits. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right now they're going to come up. They're going to be the uh, drywallers. They're going to be the uh, roofers. They're going to be everything that we don't want to do as Americans. Mm -hmm. And rightly or wrongly, that is the truth. We just don't want to dig ditches anymore. We don't want to carry in drywall. I don't know if you guys ever stocked a house with drywall. Holy <laughs> <smoke>. <laughs> that, that is not somewhere where you want to be. Right. And so you need that. And those Jobs right there are going to continue to move up, but the skilled jobs is what I'm talking about where you're not going to open up the borders and you're not just going to step into being an electrician, a plumber, um, no, a HVAC contractor. I mean, you're, you're not going to step into that right away. It's going to take years and years and years to actually build that up. Well, aren't you saying it's a two-year program? You're advocating an associate's degree, two years of hands-on training to become an electrician or, yes, or but opening a skilled up tradesman. Yes, but opening up the south, southern border, they're not going to come in and just jump into a two-year program. No, I mean, but they will eventually, yeah, and it'll and be the, available to them. And it's going to be years and years and years and years. Um, secondly, when you – or thirdly or whatever it is, when you just look at the uh, labor pool that we have – we are in trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have the skilled labor and Agreed. we're not going to have enough skilled labor that's coming up. It's going to take 20, 30, 40 years to be able to have anybody coming from from uh, southern border to actually get to the point where, you know, they're what people would consider to be skilled workers. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, most of our subcontractors, I would say, are... Probably, you think of uh, the Melbergs, the Ben Ottos, um, you think of uh, Sheetrock Experts, all those guys. 
um, they are not, um, they're not fully, I mean, they, they're, they're small business people. Mm-hmm. And with that, they don't necessarily have the skills that it takes to be a really good business person, which interestingly enough, it's one of the, well, Carrie from Total Pros, which is one of the reasons why I actually take the time to help them understand what business is. And like Carrie, one of our uh, subcontractors, got herself into a little trouble. She's not a great business person. <laughs> She's got absolutely great people, um, does a great job painting. God, I shouldn't tell people that because I don't want anybody to take her away, right? <laughs> but she does a really, she has really great people, but she's not a great biz- business person, right? So she got herself into a little bit of trouble and we helped her, you know, we had to lend her some money to get out of situation that she's at. But what we ended up doing then is actually spending time with her to educate, help, and actually put together a business plan, put together a budget, um, for her to really understand and help her become a biz- better business person. Mm-hmm. And I think that tutelage of not just allowing somebody to go in and thinking they're going to be a great business person, you actually have to have somebody invest in you. Mm-hmm. And as a uh, really good builder, adore bespoke homes. Um, adore bespoke homes. Adore bespoke homes. Adore bespoke But I mean, homes. you know, it doesn't matter whether it's our clients or whether it's our subcontractors. I mean, we actually care, and I don't want to have to do this. I really don't, but I truly believe in humanity. I really love people. I love interacting. I, I truly love what we're going through right here, just being able to uh, communicate uh, different thoughts and everything. But I will spend the time, even though I don't want to, to actually help even Jason, our field supervisor, mm-hmm. just become a better person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that comes from... I wish more people in our society actually did that because I I think we could just be better overall. And we're always thinking about ourselves, ourselves, ourselves. And how much money we can make. That's all that matters. And that's one of the sickest parts of our society is that nothing matters other than how much money you have, not how much money you've, you, how you did it, not what you're doing with it. It's just how much do you necessarily have? And we're, for us, we're kind of, I think you're up against clock or whatever, but we're kind of over that. And it's really about how can we help, clients, our subcontractors, their workers, and just people in general, just be better. And Agreed. we've we've made a concerted effort on that. You're, you Seriously, you do great work. You've got a great reputation. You're a great builder. It's been a delight having you on the show. And before we're out of time, very quickly, how do people learn more? What's your website address, et cetera? So people can find out more about us at www.ador-homes.com or Call me. I answer every phone call, honestly, 612-590-8099, and you would absolutely be impressed that the guy actually answers the phone. (laughs) That's true. Again, you guys have been an absolute delight, and really, I can't speak highly enough about your your practice. Very quickly, I'll throw out our quote for the week because it's just too good not to do. Are you ready? It's unattributed. A productive drunk is the bane of moralists. Good night, everybody. Lips of honey, will you see the way she walks? Hey, brother, pour the wine. <laughs>